Hello, I'm Father John McLaughlin from St. Mary's Parish in Bluffton, Ohio. Today is Sunday of the 26th week of Ordinary Time. One of the interesting points that emerges from the Gospels is how Jesus does so much of his preaching and teaching through storytelling. Paradoxically, Jesus communicates his most telling truths through the medium of fiction. He invites his hearers to use their imagination and follow him into the world of parable. The truth of Jesus' parables does not depend on whether the tales told actually really happened. That's not their claim on the hearer. Rather, their claim to the truth depends on whether they catch something of the unseen reality of the kingdom of God or whether they disclose unrecognized truths about people's commitment to God and their relationship with one another. This can be seen in today's gospel passage from Matthew chapter 21, verses 28 to 32, where Jesus confronts the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders of the people. In many ways, today's passage is a commentary on what happened before in Matthew chapter 21, verses 23 to 27. The subject matter dealt with the controversy over the origin of John the Baptist's authority and Jesus's authority. As Jesus entered the temple area, the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders come up to confront him. They asked him by what authority he was able to do things, merely healing the sick, forgiving sinners, and teaching with authority. Jesus recognized that they were trying to trap him. So if he answered by divine authority, they would accuse him of blasphemy. If he said by on his own authority, they would accuse him of overstepping his bounds and interfering in the sphere of religious leadership. Because of their evil intentions and evil will, Jesus decided to turn the tables on them and gave them a taste of their own medicine. Jesus turns and confronts them with a story, a parable, which criticizes them for being merely yes-men, whose easy promises are never matched by their performances. Jesus uses fiction to make them face the problem of their religious deception. His parable aimed straight at them is intended to call them to conversion and have a change of heart. His parable, which we heard this today, which many parents can identify with, is about a man who has two sons, and he asks both of them to do some work for him. The first son refuses bluntly, I will not go. But afterwards, thinking about it, he regrets his decision, changes his mind, and does what the father asked him to do. Meanwhile, the second son agrees politely and says, yes, certainly, dad, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. But his consent is not matched by his behavior. He never bothers to go. Although neither son is a prize and both leave a lot to be desired, Jesus asks the chief priests and elders and scribes which of the two the fathers will. And the chief priests and elders answer correctly, the first son, as he was the only one who eventually did what the father asked of him. Jesus' own reply identifies the two sons. The son who refused to go at first but later changes his mind and does the father's will represents the known public sinners, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, 
those who complied with God's request set forth in John the Baptist's preaching. At first, the known public sinners refused to do God's will, and they flouted with his law by the lives they led. But many of them ultimately repented, changed their lives, and turned and followed Jesus. Jesus thus indicates that God prefers the humble, that is, those who realize their mistakes, their bad choices, and seek to correct them, over the proud of heart, the self-righteous, those who will not accept God's initiative in their lives. Now, the son who initially said he would do the Father's will, but then failed to deliver on his commitment, represents the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders. They had initially said yes to do God's work and adjusted their lives to conform with the revelation that had come down from Moses and the prophets. But then when God sent his only son, Jesus, to bring the fullness of revelation and called them to an even closer relationship, they refused to accept the invitation and preferred to stay locked in their old familiar ways. They blocked God's initiative by refusing to accept Jesus and his teachings. The chief priests, the elders, and scribes maintained the outward appearance of holiness and piety, but without any real devotion to the will of God. They paid God merely with lip service and then refused to put his will into practice. In fact, their outward holiness and piety unsupported by obedience to God is criticized earlier in the gospel when Jesus says, It is not those who say to me, Lord, Lord, who will enter the kingdom of heaven, but rather the person who does the will of my Father in heaven. Thus, Jesus reveals the point of his parable by telling the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders that tax collectors, sinners, will get into the kingdom of heaven before they do, since God prefers those who realize their sins, seek to correct them, and have a change of heart. Today's first reading from the book of prophet Ezekiel teaches the same lesson as Jesus' parable, namely that every individual must realize and accept the consequences of their choices. God entrusted Ezekiel with the task of looking out for the spiritual welfare of his people, and Ezekiel sounded the alarm. However, the generation people felt that their troubles was the result of punishment for the sins of their ancestors. The royal officials and the people of that time complained and said that their fathers had eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are not on edge. Ezekiel answers their complaints by stating that God's ways are not unfair. God does not judge people for the sins of their ancestors. He judges them on their own merits or lack of. Ezekiel's words and Jesus' parable of the two sons takes the scripture out of the realm of the theoretical and places the love and mercy of God into the midst of our busy, complicated, everyday lives. Compassion, forgiveness, love, and mercy are only words until our actions give full expression to these values in our relationship with others and our identifying ourselves as Christians. Calling ourselves a disciple of Jesus means nothing until our lives express that identity and the values upheld and the beliefs we live. Discipleship requires us to embrace the gospel not as an untainable ideal, but rather as an attitude and a perspective for approaching our world, a compass that guides us on our journey to the kingdom of heaven. God bless you and have a blessed week.